can see the demon in you that doesn't wanna come out and play. I can see the demon in you who doesn't wanna come out and play. Everybody say fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Man, fuck this Everybody shit. say fuck this shit. Man, fuck this shit. Fuck this shit. Man, fuck this Everybody shit. Everybody say. Excuse me, what's going down? Welcome back to the FTS Podcast brought to you by FTS Network. You feel me? It's your boy Dre back again. As always, we start the podcast the same way. Thank y'all for taking the time out to listen to this. Thank you for taking the time to engage with the podcast in any way. If you linked into the YouTube channel, I appreciate you. There's tons of stuff going down on the YouTube channel, so if you're not Go ahead and do that. There's a link in the description of this show that will actually send you to all of the stuff, the social medias, the everything. So go do that if you haven't. Leave a five-star review. Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, if you want to be a paid subscriber, it's $4.99. You feel what I'm saying? You get all the old stuff. You get extra new stuff, you know, and you get to be one of my favorite kids who, as you already know, gets McDonald's when... Uh, the kids don't. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, that's what you be signing up for. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll get started with this one. I, I Keys hit me up. He like, so what's up, bro? You just straight YouTube now? Like I abandoned y'all. Like I abandoned the podcast. And uh, that ain't it. It's never that. Y'all know that. Um, I'm just trying to get this balance together, y'all. Really and truthfully, I'm trying to get to a place where I can do all of it. It's... um. It's a lot. You know, y'all know. I've said this before. What man band. But, you know, I told y'all, you know, this this last hoorah was going to be Disneyland vibes. You feel me? I mean, I'm doing a lot. Interviews all over. Y'all see, it's a ton of interviews. Got that last episode I put up. Interview with Bailey. The video of that interview is available on YouTube. The video of everything that's on the podcast now is on the YouTube, too. So, that's the thing. Keys asked me, he like, you just YouTube now. I'm not. You know what I'm saying? It all started with the podcast. It all comes from the podcast. The podcast will always stand. But, yes, everything is available on YouTube. And I also got some milestones that we got to hit on YouTube to get this monetization. So, if you want to listen to the full episode on YouTube, feel free to do so. You know what I'm saying? Because I need that, too. I need them. I need that watch time. So, you know, fuck with your boy. <laughs> um... Anchor quit playing me, though. And so that's another thing, too, Keys and everybody. The reason why the podcast episodes was a little spotty is because I had a little beef going on. And they like were like, oh, your ad expired. So we're not running an ad on your episodes no more. So I'm putting out episodes and I'm not getting paid for these episodes at all. And I'm already not getting paid much anyway. You feel me? It's not like I'm making a ton of money off these episodes. You're talking about literally making 3 or $4 a week off this podcast from the actual stream uh, stream numbers, which is like, whatever, I'm not tripping on that. You know, I'm not, but you're not going to only pay me 2 or $3 and then take my 2 or $3 and think that I'm still putting out episodes. You can eat dicks, bro. Fuck that. I'm not doing that. I refuse. And that's, that's why, another reason why the podcast was kind of backed up a little bit because I was a little beefed out with, you know what I'm saying, the people that I put this out through. And everything until they got my my advertisement right. So, um, you know, whatever. But they got that right. So now my incentive level is back 
to where it's supposed to be for me to be here on Wax with y'all. Um, also, um, you know, just getting things a little bit more balanced and taken care of. You know, I'm I'm getting it all put together. Uh, but yeah, so the podcast is still here. We still live. It's still the same, you know, but it'll just also be available on YouTube. YouTube's got all kinds of stuff on it, though. You know, reaction videos when stuff comes out. I had to learn that I can't plagiarize myself, if that makes sense, because piece of me will be like, I don't want to make a reaction video to something if I'm going to talk about it on a podcast, or I don't want to talk about something on a podcast if I wanted to do a reaction video, or if I want to make a reel about something, I don't want to do that, but it's like, it's my shit. Like if it's if I tell a joke about something, I could tell that joke thirty times. It's my joke. You know what I'm saying? Like so, I had to get a little more comfortable with that so that I wasn't trying to like hoard material for different platforms, for different reasons. Where I'm a little more comfortable just coming out here and just doing my thing. Uh, and you know, whatever. But it is. It's always gonna be. You know, FTS podcast ain't going nowhere. I'm going to keep doing the podcast forever. O'Neal will have her back again this coming up week. Me and her haven't nailed down exactly what day it'll be. Um, but we definitely going to do another episode this week. Um, I don't have no more interviews set up right now. I need to set up some more interviews. So if y'all know somebody, you know what I'm saying, who's really interested and wants to do it, um, you know, holler at me. Let me know. Somebody who done something that a lot of people don't do or, you know, has like a unique lived experience in some way or know something that like people give a fuck about or whatever. Something that you all listen to this. Don't don't send me nobody just because they your friend. But you wouldn't really listen to them talk if they wasn't your friend. You feel what I'm saying? Because I'm going to be like, you know, what are you here for? What am I asking you about? You know? Um, but yeah, so I think that's it. I think that's it with that. Um, little, little news, you know what I'm saying? A little catching up and stuff. That's the, that's the thing I kind of miss about the podcast. YouTube is so direct. It's just hop on here. Bob Dre, da, 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 da. Let's talk about this. And y'all know that's not even how I get down. You know, I get to wandering around my point and shit like that. So I need a little more space to do my thing. And also, the profanity thing is whack. You all know I cuss a lot. And I had this girl, uh, one of the girls I had worked with at one of my jobs. I told her about the podcast or whatever. She's a white girl or whatever. And she's like, man, she was like, I'm not going to lie. The N-words are jarring. She's like, it's a lot of them. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and that never even occurred to me. It's funny to me. It never occurred to me because I never had thought, right? If you white and you don't live in an area where you, if you're not around a bunch of black people, basically, or a bunch of super racist white people, you probably don't actually hear niggas spoken too often. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't like everybody around you is just Trinidad James. And then I get on my shit and I'm just letting that thing fly like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, damn, you know what I'm saying? This is a lot. And she's like, she's real. So she wasn't on no, I think you should say it less. That wasn't her point. That would have fallen on deaf ears. So I'm glad that that wasn't her vibe. Because I would have been like, no. You know what I'm saying? But 
I was thinking like, that's wild that it even comes off to you that way. But, and I think this is kind of important. I am intentionally profane and vulgar in the way that I speak because my hope is that the intelligence and understanding will shine through anyway so that people will understand that you can't look at the way something is packaged off top and assume that means something. I feel as though people come fall victim to this all the time. Something looks the way they think it should look. And then they just end up being all in on it without actually seeing what substance is there. And then they end up getting tricked in that way because, oh, they thought it, you know, like uh, like that Enron shit, right? They able to have this big corporate fucking fraud based around a, a energy company that's not making any energy. And no one like they just looking the part. They just they just saying the right stuff and looking the right way. And no one is really blowing the whistle on this. We're just accepting this as a real entity that motherfuckers is proud of. You know what I'm saying? Presidents and 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 CEOs doing interviews and they on uh, fucking the uh what's the channel with the with the white dude with the with the bald cat with the sides and he be like screaming talking about the stock market and stuff like that. I can't remember that man's name. Anyway. Uh but they over here just lauding these people. Oh, these are the greatest business minds, whatever, whatever, just because they look the part. But substance-wise, wasn't about shit to begin with. Anybody who would have just looked at them a little bit would have been able to see that that's not what was going down. I feel like I'm living on that opposite end where I'm coming how I'm coming. You know what I'm saying? I talk how I talk. I am who I am, whatever, whatever, whatever. You just got to listen closely because it's actually some real substance here. You might learn something. You feel what I'm saying? You might get a differing opinion in your own. Or even if it's not a differing opinion, in a lot of cases, you might just get a different layer to an opinion that you already had. Because I don't necessarily think that people are jumping on this podcast and changing their mind about how they felt about stuff. I don't even think people really do that anymore. People don't take any information and reassess their position no more. That's not that's not cool. But I do think that there's a lot of times and in a lot of cases, the people who I'm talking about are white people. It's black. It's absolutely black people who this applies to, though. But just depending on your frame of reference and how you grow up, even issues that you may support even things that you may agree with, you still may not have the depth of understanding that you think you have. And that's kind of where I feel like this podcast can provide value for some people who don't identify directly with everything that I'm talking about. If you identify what I'm talking about, if you look like me, if you, if you, far as I'm concerned, if you black and you listen to my podcast and you don't like it, you ain't woke. You ain't, I'm Joe Biden. If you, if you don't like the FTS podcast, you ain't black. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but no, for real. Uh, it's just, you know, that's 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 why that's why it's like that. That's why I talk the way I talk because I would talk this way if I wasn't trying to water myself down and make somebody else comfortable in a way. That's how I would talk. Cause. If I was talking to a white girl, I drop a lot of the niggas. She's not a nigga. You know what I'm saying? I don't find it. 
I do think it's kind of fun to talk. I like calling white people nigga. Like I like, hey, my nigga, grab me da 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 da. Because like I know a lot of times they be like, oh my nigga, I'm a, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes they be a little happy. Other times they be like, whoa, I'm not a. I don't even know how to, you know. And then other times it's just like, dang, I, I wish I could say it, you know. <laughs> so sometimes I do like to do it, but just in general. The way that I talk to the homies, we nigga, nigga, nigga. We Trinidad James. When I talk to white folks, you know, it's probably like 20% of the niggas. Because I'm still saying nigga. If I'm not on the clock, I'm saying, if I'm not forward facing on the clock, you know what I'm saying? Like interacting with guests, not coworkers. If you work with me, if we make the same money, nigga, nigga, nigga. You know what I'm saying? But just, <laughs> oh, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's it's just... It's raw. It's uncut. The podcast is called the Fuck This Shit Podcast. I could have come up with a million names. The reason it's called that is because it's like, you know, fuck this shit. Fuck that. People like, you should wear your clothes a certain way. Fuck that. People like, you should do fuck that. That's where I'm at with all of that. Fuck that. No. What can you do? What are you capable of? You asking me questions and talking to me about shit that doesn't matter. You talking about we need your beard to be a certain length. Fuck that. Did you ask me if I was, you know what I'm saying, capable of a job? You talking about you can't have dreadlocks here. What? Nigga, did you ask me if I can do this? You know what I'm saying? We need you to have this certain kind of verbiage. Did you ask me, do I know the information? No. Fuck that. Fuck all that other shit. You know, so, whatever. Anyway, uh, let's take a little break. You know what I'm saying? For the commercials type stuff, whatever, for the ads, you know what I mean? And then uh, we get right into the episode. <laughs> I know y'all are like, if you was on a YouTube, you like, what the fuck is this nigga doing? Um, yeah, those little silent pauses make it way easier for me to find where I'm going to put the ad breaks in later on. Um, so it's just a little hack for me. And I'm not going to come edit this little part of the video to take 10 seconds of space out. I ain't even going to cap it, y'all. So, you know what I'm saying? I just did my no-neck movement. Uh-uh-uh. little dance for you real quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just on some, like, the weird shit that you do when nobody's looking. Y'all just got to be there for it if you guys watching the video live. Anyway. Um, so, uh, some stuff has happened. You know what I'm saying? Not a not a whole a whole a whole gaggle of stuff. Not a, not a ton, but you know what I'm saying. Some things have went down. Um, one of which I just found out about this today. I haven't seen the video for it yet. I started to click the video and then I and then I like realized it was one. So we actually gonna watch it together. But um, these Saudis is about to build a new city. They about to build themselves a futuristic city. I guess they calling it Neon. And they call in like this size, it's like two parallel skyscrapers that they about to make like this city in between, like full of glass or something like that. We're going to watch the video so we can see about that. Before I even start reading it though, it's really wild when the Saudis do shit because first of all, they are like the super villains of the world, low key. They got all this bread because that's the thing about a real super villain. A super villain ain't shit if they ain't paid. You got to have, that's why the... uh the Legion of Doom, you know what I'm saying? They had a nigga with bread to have all these other bummy-ass villains really on their shit. Like, oh, damn, I was already eating, and now you got the... It's basically like evil got some funding. You know what I'm saying? That's the Saudis. You know what I'm saying? They got... They Crown Prince had that uh, journalist Khashoggi. 
they like brutally murdered that man. Like they like brought that motherfucker back and like pulled him apart type shit. Like they they fucked that nigga up because he was like a journalist. He was was reporting on things that journalists. He was doing his job, and they don't have free press there in the same way that we have it here. And that's why, side note, these white folks will have you believing that you're not supposed to ever have a, accuse America or hold America accountable because they're like, oh, it could be way worse in other places. Just because they can murder the journalists in, in Saudi Arabia doesn't mean it's cool that they don't want to educate the blacks in America. You feel what I'm saying? They're not comparable things that you can just, oh, you know what I'm saying, just interchange. Don't miss me with that fuck shit. So, uh, anyway, let's read this. Let's read this little article or whatever. Um, Neom, 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 I don't know how you say it, and the line, Saudi Arabia's futuristic city already belongs in the past. Oh yeah, by the way, it seems like everybody hates this. All the article, I was actually trying to find an article that wasn't coming from the perspective of, I already think this is a bad idea because I was trying to find this an impartial thing but i guess i would have to find like the actual saudis release of this as this shit to find somebody who like it because everyone is like this is stupid this is a waste of money whatever whatever and i don't know if it's because the saudis are criminals or, or you know what i'm saying they're they're the super villains i don't know if it's just because you know people like to hate because people do like to hate you ain't if you ain't you know what i'm saying you ain't popping if you ain't got no haters you ain't got no haters if you ain't got no haters you ain't popping yeah that's what i'm trying to say ha you know, but whatever. Uh, um, the government of Saudi Arabia unveils plans. Uh, unveiled plans last week for the city of Neom. Neom. <laughs> uh, the idea for which was proposed a year and a half ago as part of the project. Uh, Regia. I don't, you know, I don't know how to say this because uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's Saudi, <laughs> um, is, uh, but as part of the project, Radia is planning a massive megastructure called the line. It is to be composed of two parallel skyscrapers that stretch for 170 kilometers. You know, Americans don't know what the fuck that means, bro. How far is Okay, Google. How many miles is 170 kilometers? 170 kilometers is 105.633 miles. What? See? Y'all see, this crazy that I had to do this because that's what it's like being an American. But fam, two parallel skyscrapers that are going to stretch 105 miles? From the Red Sea through the desert towards the mountains, it'll be 200 meters wide. How? How many feet is 200 meters? 200 meters is equivalent to 656 feet. 656 feet. So it's going to be a hundred. So this shit is going to be 105 miles long. 650 feet wide and 500 meters. Okay, hold on. I got the calculator up. 1,640 feet high. How many stories is that? How many stories is 500 meters? 
Oh man, dog, this is hard. There's like a a seven story building has eight floors. One floor is okay. Let's say floors are about twelve feet. So twelve divided by. Ah, oh, damn! Now I forgot. See, it's so many numbers, y'all. It's so many numbers. Okay, wait, wait, wait. We're going to do this one more time. Because we got to know. 1640. What's 1640 divided by 12? 136 stories. So this month, this thing is about to be 105 miles long and 106 stories tall. Two parallel skyscrapers. Okay, so that's the American conversion rate. So it's composed of two parallel skyscrapers that stretch 170 kilometers from the Red Sea shore through the desert towards the mountains, 200 meters wide to soar a height of 800 meters higher than most of the world's towers and will be faced on all sides with gigantic mirrors. What? In presenting the grandiose undertaking... Saudi Crown, uh, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, bin, bin Salman noted that this design will challenge the traditional flat horizontal cities and create a model for nature preservation and enhance human livability. The line will tackle the challenges facing humanity and urban life today and will shine a light on alternative, alternative ways to live. That's kind of crazy because that's actually kind of true, though. The way that we build out isn't conducive to the amount of population that we have. We do have to start building up more and have like systems that are designed to do that. But I just don't trust no Saudis about nothing. I ain't trying to be racist or nothing like that. But they the evil empire over there. They trying to get you on. They got a golf tournament. They got a golf league. They got Dubai is over there. They got everything. They got all of this dope stuff. But it's like all built on the like. But America's really, the, you know, America's just not as open with our with our dirty deeds, misdeeds. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't look at them no kind of way because they do shit. We all fucked up. Let's watch this video, though. Sorry, y'all. This video is like two minutes long and I haven't seen it. So we got to watch the whole thing. So y'all are on the audio podcast. It's talking through the whole thing. It won't be silence. You just won't be able to see what's going on. For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature. The line will be home to 9 million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers. And we are designing it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality of life. The Lions communities are organized in three dimensions. Residents have access to all their daily needs within five-minute walk neighborhoods. And the Lions infrastructure makes it possible to travel end-to-end in 20 minutes with no need for cars, resulting in zero carbon emissions. By leveraging AI technology, services are autonomous, saving you time and effort. Designed by world-leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall, 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers. Wait, 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 wait,
Wait, they just did a a little graphic on here. It's 500 meters tall. The Empire State Building is 450 meters tall. The Eiffel Tower is 330. So it's it's basically 50 meters taller than the Empire State Building from end to end. Crazy. 200 meters wide, 170 kilometers long, and housed within an elegant mirror glass facade. Intelligent solutions create efficiency and year-round temperate microclimate with natural ventilation. Energy and water supplies are 100% renewable. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views and immediate access to the surrounding nature. With 40% of the world accessible within six hours at the heart of the globe's key trade routes, a place for commerce and communities to thrive like nothing on earth seen before. The Line, the city that delivers new wonders for the world. All right. I don't know what these niggas hating on. That shit look player. I ain't gonna count. Boy. Y'all that wouldn't look, y'all who ain't if you if you watching the if you just on the audio of this, if you on uh what you call it, if you on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, Google this. Google that city and watch the little TikTok, look it up on Twitter, go check this out on YouTube, whatever. You gotta see the video. That looked dope. I ain't even gonna lie. Except for the fact that it looked like somebody could push it over if they huff and puff. And also all them glasses. I'm like, oh, all I see is it falling down and everybody in that motherfucker just dies by a thousand cuts. You feel what I'm saying? Like if somebody want to terrorize that thing, I feel like, you know, unless the mirror glass facade is made out of something, you know, that's not glass, which I assume, right, it wouldn't be something easy to break. But if it did shatter, I'm thinking of anyway. Nine million people just getting cock, ha, 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 just pieces of glass falling from from the hundred from the five hundred meters down on people on the ground, cutting them in half. But y'all in that little video, they had little flying cars that looked like and stuff in there, and they were saying zero waste, zero emissions, zero all of this with nine million people. Okay, now they are the evil empire, but we gotta be honest. If you could find a way to have 9 million people housed somewhere in a 100% carbon neutral environment, you would have like pretty much solved the, the modern crisis of climate change without having to do much. Like, I mean, not completely solved it, but you solved all of the human element of it. Now you just have to chill out on the, you know, pumping whole the, the, the industry part. You know what I'm saying? But finding a way for 9 million people to live it's gotta be alright let's see hold on let's read the let's read the rest of this because I I, I want to see why people don't like this idea because now I'm like it seems like the only reason you don't like it is because of the people behind it which I understand but whatever um besides residential areas slated to house 9 million people the line will contain shopping and leisure sites schools and parks 
The press release, uh, the press releases touted various other features, the predominantly horizontal design of homes and shops, the transportation system that will connect both ends of the city, the fact that it will run on renewable and sustainable sources of energy. The line is the central feature of a huge neon plan for Saudi Arabia that includes agricultural and industrial areas, tourist attractions, and an airport. We cannot ignore the livability and environmental crises facing the world cities, the crown prince declared. Neom is at the forefront of delivering new and imaginative solutions to address these issues. Neom is the leading is leading a team of the brightest minds in architecture, engineering and construction to make the idea of building upward a reality. By the way, Neom combines combines the word the Greek word neos or new with the Arabic word Mustabal, Mustakbal, Mustakbal, or future. I guess it means new future. Uh, the Saudis may think that this is a wholly original project, but in terms of form, at least, it's architectural. Imagine, imagine, imagine. <laughs> it's architectural imaginary is rather shop worn. Indeed, back in 1965, American architects Michael Graves and Peter Eisman designed the Linear City. Their vision included the creation of a continuous linear urban block along the East Coast from Boston to Washington, primarily uh, focused particularly on a 35-kilometer, 22-mile stretch in New Jersey. Their plans called for a megastructure composed of two mammoth strip-like edifices, one for industry and the other for housing, shops, and offices. Now they're just hating on them. Like, they didn't even come up with it first. The new Saudi project also calls to mind the design uh, for the floating pool from the 1970s, which appeared in architect Rim Kuhlhaus's book, Delirious New York, resembling an elongated and endless, pointless Manhattan block. Perhaps the most significant inspiration for the new project came from the Italian Super Studio Collective, which at a 1972 ex- uh, exhibition, blah, 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 blah. I don't think we care about any of this. The Crown Prince's, uh, Prince's presentation may have impressed certain people, but it was also eliciting horrified reactions from researchers who have witnessed other visions of this sort throughout the 20th century. For example, in his doctoral dissertation, blah, 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 architect for a serves a coordinator, blah, 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 research out fears, and blah, blah, blah. Architects during those years create extreme images of future society, blah, blah, blah. Projects were never blah, blah, blah. He's just like, other people wanted to do this, but it didn't happen. But they're also like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to cap like I know nothing about this. But y'all are talking about stuff that people tried to do 50 years plus ago. They're like, people tried to do this 50 plus years ago. But it's like, bro, 50 plus years ago, niggas didn't even have the internet. What are you talking about? Like, this is a whole nother world. Like, the level of technology and things that we can do in 2022 versus what was able to be done when these people were trying to do this and the money that the Saudis have to put behind this, it's just different level, bro. But whatever, let's keep going. In the work, he cites 1969 underground city beneath Manhattan. Yeah, came up for designs, blah, 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 thick walls, it's... Also mentions a number of designs, rather unconditional architects in the 80s. 
The Saudis are presenting a sort of science fiction jumble black mirror with touches of Blade Runner with an abundance of references to experimental architectural projects designed throughout the 20th century, Keller says, offering his own take on why such projects are still being planned and sometimes actually built in our times. It's also apparently for PR purposes. I don't think the Saudis understand how problematic their proposal is. I think they're ignoring the significant and very serious questions at the heart of the project. Behind it is a blind faith in the power of technology to solve humanity's problems. These are images that fit the popular conception of what the future should look like, literally shiny and full of neon that don't even raise the question of why they should go to this place, to the desert, or what kind of community is supposed to be there, or what sort of government will be there, and who will build this insane project. A year and a half ago, uh, the Harats columnist Ziv Barel wrote that the Saudi kingdom was struggling to find jobs for its numerous unemployed citizens and that 60 skyscrapers were built in Rijaz uh, Financial Center are standing empty and that foreign investors are not rushing to bankroll this country's development. In recent decades, we've learned that it's hard to create a new place from scratch. Cities were built around the world in Israel after World War II function less than cities that have been around for much longer time. The pre- and post-war theories of modernism, the let's do away with Paris and build skyscrapers and roads, it doesn't work that way. Okay, I kind of see what they're saying there. They're saying, like, to just build a city out of nothing doesn't really work like that. Why would 9 million people just randomly move to Saudi Arabia to live in this weird city? But also... If they really pull that off, it's going to be kind of the coup de grace, except for the fact that she'll be under Saudi government. Yeah, that's fair, because I feel like even when you go to Dubai, you can't drink and like other stuff because you can't do that stuff out there. So it's it's not that fun to us because we like to be able to do fuck shit. So I don't know. Whatever. There's no reason to go and build a new city like this. Instead, effort and thought and resources should be put into figuring out how to transform uh, Rijah into a city without emissions and without cars. There's no need to start from scratch. The thinking says that it's possible to build a new city from scratch is exactly what has led to the current situation. Suburban locales where people are completely dependent on having their own car cities that aren't walkable at all, where you have to get in the car just to buy some milk. The effort to meet challenges on climate crisis ought to be fo focused on improving our existing cities, not creating new ones. Um, okay, I guess that makes sense now. I thought maybe they was being haters because, you know, I wanted to go because they were saying that tourists could go. I'm like, that looked fun. It looked dope. It looked like the Jetsons, nigga. I want to be like George Jetson. No, George Jetson was actually born. Shout my nigga George Jetson. Happy birthday. First birthday. George Jetson was just born the other day. You know what I'm saying? They said my nigga was born on August 1st, 2022. Maybe it was July 31st. I think it was July 31st. He was born on the last day of July. So shout my nigga George. If you got the last name Jetson and you seen that post and you have a son on that day and you don't name that nigga George, you are a BTS nigga. Anyway, that's all, that's all I'm talking about, about that little city. What else is going on? Let's see. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson. <laughs> got this news. Deshaun Watson suspension. They gave my boy six games. I ain't going to say my boy. The boy. The kid. They gave the kid six games. Um, which in the NFL is nothing. Six games is nothing in the NFL. I actually 
saw this thing on Facebook that was like crazy to me. The NFL gave Calvin Ridley 17 games for betting. They gave Vontez Burfick 12 games for targeting, which is a, if you don't watch football, it's like hitting somebody. Uh, uh, it's like tackling somebody helmet to helmet or, or basically like a defenseless person. It's basically trying to hurt somebody in the game instead of just trying to tackle them. This is a simple way to, to describe targeting somebody who don't know. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, D-Hop, one of the top receivers in the league. They were uh, suspended him for six games for PEDs. Martavius Bryant, indefinitely for weed. Josh Gordon, 25-plus games for weed. Josh Gordon, I don't know uh, Martavius Bryant's thing or Martavius Bryant's thing, but Josh Gordon, his isn't just, it is weed, but it's like, you pissed hot, like, Josh Gordon is pissed hot for the NFL like eight, nine times. It's like, it's ridiculous how many times Josh Gordon is pissed hot. It's, I don't think they should be testing for weed. Obviously, I, I low-key think it's racist places that test for weed because other drugs that other that other cultures are more accepted for doing come out of your system a lot faster. So it's a lot easier to get clean for a drug test and weed stays in your system for 30 days and I don't even think weed's a real drug. So, you know, whatever. But... Anyway, Darren Waller, 16 games for substance abuse. And then you got Deshaun Watson, six games for 25 sexual <laughs> sexual violence or sexual misconduct uh, allegations. Six games. That's 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 not anything. I'm not going to say it is or isn't enough. I'm not here to even make that call. I'll say that it's tough. I'm about to read the article in a second. It's tough on my part to say what the NFL should do because... I don't know that I would want to be in a world where I could legally not be guilty of something that my job could decide that I was guilty of. You see what I'm saying? Even though I'm pretty confident that he did it, he definitely did it. Right. But I just don't know how much I agree with the NFL being the people who hold the keys to decide exactly what happens to him because of that, you know, single-handedly. I don't know. Anyway, um, Deshaun Watson's suspension evokes more questions than it does answers. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, we're not going to do that. Where is the story? Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. We got to get a, a different article. I didn't, I didn't read the article before I pulled it up. I'm not going to cap. I just clicked one because I figured that, you know, it would basically just be telling us about it. And it was saying some other shit. Let's see what the ringer's talking about. I like the ringers. Let's see what they said. Let's see what their thing says. Oh, they got a nice little graphic. They 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 care about us, Karen. Um, <clears throat> everyone loses in the Sean Watson ruling, except Deshaun Watson. Uh it's hard to imagine that anybody thinks six game suspension is the appropriate punishment for Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Those in Watson's camp have long held that he should not be disciplined by the NFL. After more than two dozen women came forward with accounts of his lewd behavior and sexual misconduct, which Watson denied, virtually everyone else feels that six games is egregiously low. Somehow, former federal judge Sue L. Robinson concluded that Watson engaged in a pattern of unwanted sexual conduct and yet still issued a 16-page ruling arguing for a six-game suspension. 
It's tough to properly assess a fair punishment for Watson given the staggering number of people who were affected by his actions. Watson was named in lawsuits by 24 women that he once hired as masseuses. Some of the women say that he ejaculated on them without his consent. Why did that, when I read that out loud, it just reminded me of uh, Insecure. If y'all haven't seen Insecurity, you won't get it. But when Daniel nutted on uh, Issa... Oh, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> Some of the women say that he touched them with his penis against their will. Two of the women detail accounts of sexual assault, including forced oral penetration. Two additional women filed criminal complaints, and a 27th woman sued him but withdrew her lawsuit over privacy concerns. All but one of the civil cases have been settled out of court. One account of sexual misconduct involving a player would warrant punishment by the NFL on its own. With Watson, there are more than two dozen. How do we comprehend the sheer horror of that number? If there were 15 complaints instead of 27, we'd be less horrified and furious. How do we make sense of the 27 accounts when every one of them is worthy of outrage? Would any league punishment have felt satisfying? They asked a lot of questions in that article. Um... It's crazy. They said something earlier in that article that I think is wild. That his camp is like, this was too long. Shut the fuck up. The nigga on your squad just got, bro. It's 25 women saying that he sexually assaulted them. And he only got a six-day suspension. And y'all are talking, y'all are out here talking shit. Talking about, oh, we can't believe they did this to him. Fam. When is a win going to be a win for y'all? Just take the fucking W. The U.S. criminal justice system struggles to hand out appropriate punishments and assigning appropriate punishments is what the criminal justice system is designed to do. The NFL is a sports league, more equipped to adjudicate football misdeeds than actual ones, and it's not particularly good at that either. Many fans spend Sundays mad at the refs. For years, the NFL and Commissioner Roger Goodell deferred to law enforcement to inform decision-making about player punishment. That system failed in 2014 when Goodell suspended the then-Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice a mere two games for punching his then-fiance and knocking her unconscious. Goodell said later he didn't get the decision right, and the NFL overhauled his personal conduct policy and disciplinary process as a result with the league gaining even more power to investigate and punish players independent of what happened in court. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot that Ray Rice only got two games and that he definitely knocked her the fuck out. Um, that was wild. That was a wild time. Ray Rice is low-key lucky that he didn't do that five years later because he did that right before shit got real crucial. And motherfuckers was really, because it was hard for him to get a job. But Ray Rice ended up playing football again after that. He was just on the tail end of his career. If Ray Rice would have done that two, three years earlier when he was Super Bowl Ray Rice, um, it probably would have went away faster. But it's a lot of NFL players. Joe Mixon knocked that white girl out. It's NFL players got a little bit of history of violence. Or at least, at least they've been getting caught doing it. I think I read somewhere that proportionate to like the general society NFL players aren't more violent than anyone else which I would actually believe they're just famous but anyway um in 2020 collective bargaining agreement the NFL and NFL Players Association agreed to appoint a third party adjudicator 
In Watson's case, Robinson, who would hold hearings, review evidence, and issue a ruling. This system, in theory, would add an air of impartiality and legitimacy to the proceedings. Um, the CBA gives Goodell the authority to hear and rule on appeals. The NFL has until Thursday to file an appeal. Uh, in practice, however, this system failed its first test. The NFL uh, interviewed a dozen of the women who brought lawsuits against Watson and presented evidence from four of them to Robinson, which limited the overall scope of what Robinson was able to consider. Still, she found that Watson had engaged in sexual assault, uh, which the NFL defined as touching his penis to the women without their consent and caused genuine danger to the safety and well-being of multiple women. Rob Bissell wrote the Oh, me, ah. Better work all day. I'm tired. Robinson wrote, wrote that Watson acted with a reckless disregard for the consequences of his action. Nonetheless, she concluded that Watson should be suspended for only six games. <laughs> what? That isn't whatever. I'm just going to keep reading for a second. Robinson based her decision primarily on league precedent. Her report notes that the league's most common punishment for gendered violence and sexual acts is six games and that she is bound by standards of fairness and consistency and must give a punishment in line with past punishments. Perhaps the most telling passage is below. The NFL may be a forward-facing organization, but it is not necessarily a forward-looking one. Just as the NFL responded to violent conduct after a public outcry, so it seems the NFL is responding to yet another public outcry about Mr. Watson's conduct. At least in the former situation, the policy was changed and applied proactively. Here, the NFL is attempting to impose a more dramatic shift in its culture without the benefit of fair notice to and consistency of consequence for those in the NFL subject to the policy. So basically, what she's saying is, because in the past, and this is this is wild. Y'all really got to pay attention to this. What she's saying is because in the past, when people have done this, all you've given them is a six game suspension. You haven't changed the rules of your policies for him to have known that if he sexually assaulted a woman, he would get more than six games. So I can't give him more than six games because that's not fair. That's crazy. It's crazy because it's real. And it even says. With domestic violence, you had this same issue, but you changed the rules and applied them uh, retroactively. But in this instance, you haven't changed the rules. You haven't done anything to make this be any different. So if all you're telling me is that he committed sexual violence against a woman, what y'all said is that's the six game suspension. And my job is to determine of your punishment rule policies, what applies. This is not like a court of law. It's a, it's a adjudication. It's different. So, or uh, mediation. So, yeah, it's wild that that's the precedent that she held because I always feel like judges have a little more power to decide what precedent they want to because I just feel like, okay, maybe you say six games per or six, or maybe that's not what they did before, but I mean, all of these different, it really does kind of, if I'm one of the women, I got to think, damn. These motherfuckers don't care at all, which obviously they didn't, but it's just America never fails to say, fuck these women, bro. <laughs> In a studying document, Doc, uh, Robinson plainly acknowledges that Watson likely committed sexual harassment and assault forever altering the lives of dozens of women. In the very paragraph in which she reveals the six game punishment, 
Robinson writes, Mr. Watson's pattern of conduct is more egregious than any before reviewed by the NFL. Then settles on a suspension of roughly one third of one season. She also describes Watson's actions as egregious, but nonviolent. <laughs> I'd love to hear an explanation for how ejaculating onto a woman who does not want to be ejaculated on is in fact not violence. That's that's a quote from the article. And yeah, I'll agree with that. I feel like y'all remember that Dave Chappelle skit uh, from For What It's Worth where he's talking about the homeless man jerking off on a bus, nutting on people. That sounded like violence to you, right? You thinking like, man, if a homeless man walked up to me and just nutted on me, that would it would be some violence. I know that for damn sure, right? So Deshaun Watson's like, I'm going to hire you for a massage, but when you're not looking, I'm about to just nut on you a little bit. Nigga, the fuck? And then it's like more than that. So you, and also she's saying, this is more egregious than anything ever reviewed by the NFL. I've never seen any historical case that the NFL has reviewed where it's been this bad. It's basically what she's saying. Also, six games. This is so weird to me. It's weirder to me than anything. I'm not even going to lie. Because she's independent. Like, she doesn't even gain anything from this. The ruling fails to grapple with the serial nature of Watson's actions. First and foremost, which I have told y'all before, I have made my case on Deshaun Watson. At a point, it is compulsive and it's something that he can't not do. He needs that part of it to get off. You feel what I'm saying? If a motherfucker need if a motherfucker need to put a finger in his nose and a finger in his ass to nut, and you trying to tell him don't put your finger in your nose no more, they gonna be like, Well, I can't nut then. That's Deshaun Watson. You like, my nigga, just hire a prostitute and tell her to pretend to be a masseuse. And he's like, nah, if she really know, then like that, take it away from me. Because he's compulsive and he has a problem. And the nigga needs help. Um, Some of the women who said Watson harassed or abused them refused to work with him again. Some considered changing careers entirely. And after each woman made clear that Watson's advances were unwanted and wrong, Watson sought out more women. 27 women, six games. Robinson was looking at only four of the cases. Was each of the four women worth 1.5 games? If Robinson had ruled on all 27 women who came forward with their accounts of Watson's misconduct, would he be suspended for 40 and a half games? Or perhaps that's an unsolvable equation because the NFL's personal conduct policy left no room for gray areas of sexual violence or the possibility of multiple accusers. Robinson's ruling was based on two guiding principles, both of which were immensely flawed. On one hand, the ruling emphasized that six-game suspension is a matter of precedent based on the league's previous penalties related to sexual misconduct. Conduct. This is a mistake. No previous player has ever been named in so many accounts by so many women. I don't know the correct punishment for 27 cases or whether it's different for the amount. Would be correct for 10 or 50 or 75. But blah, 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 blah. How can you appeal to precedent when the conduct itself is unprecedented? That is a great fucking point. That is a great point. If the conduct is unprecedented, if this has never happened before, how can you say, well, based on what y'all did before... This is what I did. But no one's ever done this with this many accusers. And that's got to mean something. It is a difference between I slapped one person to I slapped 27 people. The, the, the punishment isn't the same in any space in the world. 
So, I don't know. Being that this is how the NFL decided to to play it, I just think that shit is crazy, bro. That's un. It's unacceptable. I, I I don't even know any other way to put it. It's unacceptable, y'all. You can't. You can't do that. It's just that can't be the precedent. Six games is not nearly enough. And I'm on record saying that I think that a lot of these women were prostitutes. Like I am, I'm on record saying that I believe that 110%. I believe that that's why it didn't. This is what I feel like played out. I feel like the amount of money that he was trying to spend on a massage on Instagram is also the amount of money that you could pay for some pussy on Instagram for somebody who pretends to get massages. So when he brings these girls to his room for the massage and then he pull his dick out, half of them is like, I kind of assumed you was going to pull your dick out. So it's not a big deal. And the other half is like, bro, what the fuck? I was here to get massages. You know what I'm saying? But for him, not knowing ahead of time is the kink, which makes it all assault. It makes it assault if I intended on it to be assault. If I walk up to you, stranger don't know you, pull my dick out and start pissing on you, and you love getting pissed on, and you just like, oh, damn, thank you. I still assaulted you. I was trying to assault you. You fucked it up. You fucked up my assault plan. You feel what I'm saying? That's that's the way I feel about that kind of shit. Um, I wasn't frozen, y'all. That's going to be an ad. <laughs> anyway, um, for the Deshaun Watson, that's all I got on Deshaun Watson, y'all. There's nothing else to even say about that situation. It's crazy. Um, but I mean, if he don't get picked up in my fantasy league, am I fucked up if I pick up Deshaun Watson on my fantasy team? Y'all let me know. He don't get paid for me. He don't get no money. But I just get money if his stats is good. And I'm going to be able to get him late and easy because he's going to be suspending them six games. And he ain't playing a year and a half. Motherfuckers don't even know how good he gonna be when he come back. He might not even be that good. So y'all just let me know if I should get him or not. Anyway, um, last thing we doing today, y'all, Will Smith. Will Smith finally apologized to Chris Rock. There's a lot of uh, feelings about the apology that people feel one way or another. Uh, personally, I've already done a reaction video on the YouTube to this. Uh, but, um... We'll uh we'll do it real quick here too. It's been a minute over the last few months I've been doing a lot of thinking and personal work. This is the caption of the video for y'all mm-hmm. who are on audio. You asked a lot of fair questions that I wanted to take some time to answer. Why didn't you apologize to Chris in your acceptance speech? Um, I was fogged out by that point. It's, 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 it's all fuzzy. I've reached out to Chris um, and the, mes- the message that came back is that uh, he's not ready to talk. And when he is, he will reach out. Um, so I will, I will say to you, um, Chris, I apologize 
to you. Uh, my behavior was unacceptable. And I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Um, I, I want to apologize to Chris's mother. I saw an interview that Chris's mother did. And, you know, that was one of the things about that moment. I just didn't realize and, you know, I wasn't thinking, but how many people got hurt in that moment. So I want to uh, apologize to Chris's mother. I want to apologize to uh, Chris's family, uh, specifically Tony Rock. You know, we had a great relationship. You know, Tony Rock was my man. Um, and uh, this, this, is, this is probably irreparable. Um, I don't know if y'all remember Tony Rock going on stage after that whole thing happened. Basically talking about it's on site. You know what I'm saying? You slapped my brother. You slapped the right one if I was there. Blah, 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 blah. The type of shit you would be saying. I mean, it definitely awesome. Like, because you mad at your bitch. You slapped your your brother because of some, because your bitch was upset. That's what he said. Um, and I'm not saying it. You know, y'all know I'm trying to get away from that. Uh, that's literally what Tony Rock was saying on stage about Will Smith. And you got to know you was dead ass wrong. For a motherfucker to be talking shit about you like Tony Rock was, and you still just apologizing because Tony was on that man ass. Um, anyway, I spent the last three months um, replaying and understanding the nuances and and the complexities of what happened in in that moment, um, and. I'm not going to try to unpack all of that right now, but I can say to all of you, there is no part of me that thinks that was the right way to behave in that moment. There's no part of me that thinks that's the optimal way to handle a feeling of disrespect or, or insults. After Jada rolled her eyes, did she tell you to do something? That's a stupid ass question. Um, the, even him saying that is like still like I felt disrespected and that's why I did what I did, even though I know that that's not the right way to handle stuff. And I'm like, OK, that's real. By and large, I mean, the apology was what it was. It was it was necessary. I'm going to read uh, Chris Rock's response to this or whatever. But for I've seen a lot of people who are like, I don't like I don't like Will Smith's apology. He shouldn't have done it like this, whatever, whatever. He had to come out and make an apology at some point. The fact that he didn't do it that night don't mean that he didn't have to do it. The fact that he did not come out and do this on a Red Table Talk, I actually appreciate. Because, you know, I feel like people kind of feel like they're always trying to make everything a publicity stunt and about money and about views and all this stuff. And doing it this way seems a little less... Uh, promo-y you know what I'm saying it's more like this is really an apology video that I'm making because you know a public public disrespect does uh to me require a public apology yeah you're not gonna disrespect me loud and then you know hit me in a text like oh I'm sorry like nah with that same chest that you had to disrespect me you give me that apology no um it's like you know I'm I made a choice on my own 
from my own experiences, from my history with Chris, Jada had nothing to do with it. Uh, I'm sorry, babe. Um, I'm say sorry to my, my kids and, and my family for the heat that I brought on all of us. Um, to all my fellow nominees, you know, this is a community. It's like I won because you you voted for me, and it it, it really. The Jada thing is stupid to me that people even are trying to make this on her. Um. Yeah, I don't even like Jada, and she don't. She ain't make Will do that. Will did that. Like that's something that he did. Um yeah. Breaks my heart to have stolen and and tarnished tarnished your moment. Um I can still see Quest Love's eyes, you know, it, it happened on Quest Love's uh, award and you know it's like I'm 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 sorry really isn't sufficient. What would you say to the people who looked up to you before the slap or people who expressed that you let them down? Um, so there's two things. One before I go into this, because I actually remember kind of where this goes. I'm going to let it play out the rest of the way after this. Um. It does suck for the other people who are involved because that is a huge moment in your life. And for if you wanna, if you wanna Oscar that night, if your name ain't Will Smith, don't nobody know you won that night. And even if you tell them you want to Oscar, they'd be like, "What year are you telling?" They'd be like, "What year was that?" You'd be like, "The year Will Smith slapped Chris Rock." They'd be like, "Oh shit, that was crazy." Was you backstage and they don't even want to hear about your grant or your Oscar experience? They want to know like. Did you feel the wind come off that nigga hand? Did you think it was his <laughs> One, um, disappointing people is my central trauma. Um, I hate when I let people down. Um, so it, it hurts. Uh, it hurts me psychologically and emotionally to know I didn't live up to uh, people's image and impression of me. And the work I'm trying to do is I am deeply remorseful and I'm trying to be remorseful without being ashamed of myself, right? I'm human and I made a mistake and I'm trying not to think of myself as a piece of shit. Um, so I would say to those people, I know it was confusing. I know it was shocking. Um, but I, I promise you, I am uh, deeply devoted and committed to putting light and love and joy into the world. And, you know... If you if you hang on, I promise we'll be able to be friends again. Um, 
I think the biggest thing that he said during that, and I think that this is in a way a part that I feel like maybe Chris Rock wasn't overwhelmingly appreciative of. And I, you'll understand what I mean when I say that uh, in a second. If you're watching, you can actually see the caption in the next article, so you know what I mean. Um, but there is something to be said, whether you agree with Will Smith saying it here or not, there is something to be said about when you make a mistake in life, understanding that you can be remorseful from it without having to feel shame. I said this in my reaction video for this uh, for this um, apology. Shame is like the most unproductive human emotion to me. It's, it's completely useless to us. It doesn't do anything for you. It's not accountability. It's not, um, like you said, it's not remorse. It's not, it's shame is just, uh, it makes you shrink and it makes you, do things and lash out at other people to protect yourself from having to have this thing that you did or this thing about you known because like you feel so negatively about it. Right. Um, so I do really appreciate him saying that just so that people can kind of understand that concept of, you know, feeling remorse without feeling shame and how important that is. But I can also understand how if I'm Chris Rock, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, you slapped the shit out of me on the Oscar stage. So, you know, I'm never going to be, it's never going to be sweet. And and Will did say something during that apology that stood out. Because he was like, it didn't have anything to do with Jada. It was about my history with Chris and this and this and this and this, whatever, whatever. So it's like, they clearly don't necessarily like each other. It is something else there. He said it. That's not a conjecture on my part. That's just me listening. Um... Chris Rock speaks out after Will Smith's apology video. Everybody is trying to be a fucking victim. Chris Rock's reaction to Will Smith's emotional uh, video apology for that Oscar slap, a shrug and a new nickname for the King Richard star, Suge Smith. <laughs> Rock took the stage for a show at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia, just hours after Smith released the video where, according to people, he didn't address the apology but told the crowd, everybody's trying to be a fucking victim. If everybody claims to be a victim, then nobody will hear the real victims. Even if me getting smacked, by, even me getting smacked by Suge Smith, I went to work the next day. I got kids, he said, referencing the jail death row records co-founder Suge Knight. Anyone who says words hurt has never been punched in the face. Rock quit during the show, which is part of his ego death world tour. In his video in which uh, Smith called his behavior on Oscar night unacceptable. He also told Rock, I'm here whenever you're ready to talk. Smith added he'd been told by Rock was not ready to talk and would reach out when he was. For his actions, Smith did not uh, give back his best actor statuette. He won that same night, but he was banned by the Academy for 10 years and he resigned as the Academy member before the board handed down his punishment. So, um, yeah. I feel that. If I'm Chris Rock, everybody's trying to make this about them in some kind of way. Everybody, like he said, everybody wants to be a victim and all this other stuff. And, if, you know, if I'm Chris Rock, I'm kind of thinking like, you know, I'm the one who got slapped. And I'm not trying to be a victim about it. But watching y'all try and be sad about something that happened to me is kind of annoying. Um, But again, if you will, Smith, you got it. That's crazy how life is like that to me. I don't really think anyone's wrong in here in this situation and beyond the actual slap. Obviously Will was bugging, but at this point in it, Will's got to apologize. Chris Rock don't have to accept apology. It's no, it's no, both of those things have to happen to me though. And 
there is only a certain amount of bad Will Smith should feel about this. That nigga shouldn't die and just crawl. That, that's what people want you to do. People want you to make a mistake and then they want you to feel so much shame about the mistake that you made that you just crawl up in a ball and die because of the shame that they have about something that they've done or something that they didn't do or some other bullshit. But I'm not, I'll, I'll tell y'all off top, that'll never be me. If y'all waiting on that to be Dre, you wait forever. If I make a mistake, you know what you're going to get from me? An apology and I'm moving the fuck on. That's it. That's it. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Type shit. You feel me? Um, that's it for this episode, y'all. Um, check out the YouTube, man. Make sure you check uh, dialed into that, man. Subscribe for the four ninety nine. That money, man. That shit matters, man. That keep the podcast moving and let me pay down all the credit card debt that I accrued putting all of this together. You know what I'm saying? So if y'all care about that, you know what I'm saying. Mess with your boy. Um, like I said, everything on the YouTube, man, I'm doing reactions, sports shit, fucking the podcast is there, interviews are there, video, anything that is only audio to is on the YouTube. Check it out. Stuff that only bonus, uh, people get on here on the YouTube. Go check it out. Um, yeah, y'all go fuck with it, man. Even if you go subscribe, go subscribe. Yo, if you listening to this right now, even if you never going to watch a YouTube video, go to the link down here, subscribe to the YouTube we got to get the subscribers up to get monetized. That's another thing. So go on and subscribe to your friends to subscribe. You know what I'm saying? All of that good stuff. Um, until next time, man. Love y'all like always. Appreciate y'all tuning in. I holla at y'all. Peace. Yeah. Double up the respect. Came through the wire, fresh out the fire, my mic check. Leaning and rocking, feel it yourself, it's high tech. Moving pieces all on the board, my nigga trying to see. Billion. Mm. My gift to gab on it. Escape trials and tribulations, fighting your honor. Shark in the water, grabbing for paper like I'm Nirvana. Code of honor that I follow, my nigga, is worth. Billion. Huh. Homie, fuck your greasy granny them. He been slapping shit so long, they gotta come and Grammy him. He so fly, he walk on stars, solar systems carry him. Bank account status when they marry him. Billion. Uh, make sure you say it two times. Dre, Dre, nigga. Make sure you say it two times. <laughs> Trying to see the salad with the croutons. Laying the foes down like futons for the... Billion. Yeah, man, you're not tuning in. Fuck this shit podcast. And billions 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 and